2: Mike, welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze & Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, the podcast equivalent of Steve Buscemi. (laughs) I am Jared Stormer of maizeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of maizeandbrew.com. Andy, you heathen philosopher of ill repute. How you doing, brother? Doing well, man. National Signing Day went better than expected, and, you know,
3: can't complain over here. We're not going to get blown out by Iowa this weekend.
2: We would have had we have had that game on our hand. I don't know, though. Part of me thinks that we find a way to win that one had that game against Iowa gone down just because it would have been like, you know, making an argument as to why you need to keep everyone and, and bring the band back for one more year. So I was like, I could see something weird happening. Plus, Kinnick isn't Kinnick without the fans. It's still Kinnick at
3: night. They're still going to turn around and wave at the hospital and all of the magic that happens there and where our dreams go to die most of the time still would have occurred. So...
2: And they're also a better team than us right now. So that's the main reason, unless we got everyone back all of a sudden. But it was sounding like it was pretty dire straits with uh, who was healthy and who, you know, was going to be able to skip the contract contact tracing stuff and all that. So who yeah. knows who we would have had. Yeah, Michigan was
3: only down to like 35 players playing an Iowa team that's played every game this season and won six in a row. So, you know, what what, what was the worst that could have happened?
2: I think that we avoided the worst that could have happened, which was playing this game. Yeah.
3: yeah. I I'm, I, I didn't think our season would have ended against Penn State, but now it's like, okay, yeah, we deserve this. As bad as that game was, we deserve this.
2: Yeah, and uh, we really, like, we were part of the, the team that was rail, rallying for the season, and uh, towards the end, we were kind of just like, yeah, I hope none of these games get played. <laughs>
3: it's like, uh, we want to play Ohio State for the tradition of it, and then, like, looking on paper, it's like, oh, you're 30, 30 and a 30-and-a-half-point underdog. Like, oh. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, I'm not feeling so good anymore.
2: And uh, 18-year-old Dan Valari has to start the game. Like, oh, boy.
3: (laughs) I think that was the point at the end. We're like, well, we can get through. We got some guys here. They're young. They're hungry. Dan Valari is your starting quarterback. Nope. Cancel it. Can't do it.
2: Now, if I would have gotten to see a healthy Cade McNamara out there with a mostly healthy offense, be like, all right, you know, let's see him sling it. But. I don't think he was ready. I don't think that we would have the majority of the offensive line back. Who knows who else was out? And, yeah, if it's Dan Villari coming in, no offense, maybe he's great. But I'd be very surprised in your first game action against Ohio State or Iowa if you're going to come in and light it up. Yeah, with
3: at least Cade McNamara in both games, Michigan would score over 30. Probably still lose by two touchdowns at least, but at least it would be exciting.
2: Exactly. So um, weird that we were going to play Iowa, though. I find it weird that uh, the way that it was all set up and the way they said it was going to be, all of that really went to the wayside towards the end, didn't it? They're like, actually, things are going to be in whatever way helps out Ohio State. (laughs) This is the Big Ten. Rules don't exist here. It's like, yeah, it's it's like Florida. It's like laws
3: are optional. And (laughs) the Big Ten was just looking at that. They're like, all right, you're going to play Northwestern. We're going to preserve these rivalries and Everything we said at the beginning of the season no longer applies. You get it? Michigan, you're playing number two, Iowa from the West. Good luck.
2: It's like business drunk or rich drunk. Either way, it's right. still legal to drive. <laughs> <laughs> there's no actual rules behind no, There's
3: this. none. And the fact that Michigan drew Iowa of all things, like, oh, great, we're going to get embarrassed again on national television.
2: Awesome. Right. When we should have lined up uh, the way it lined up, it should have been Purdue or a rematch with Minnesota. Correct. Yeah, They
3: wanted to avoid rematches and all this because that was a new rule as well. And Purdue was going to play Indiana to preserve the rivalry, which wasn't discussed at the beginning of the year. Why not preserve the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry? But, you know, and yeah, we should have played like Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota, one of the bottom feeding West teams like
2: we were in the East. Yeah, exactly, man. The scheduling, it was all it was all bizarre to me and the way that they were justifying who was playing whom. And it was just kind of the season that will ultimately, in Michigan lore, I have to imagine, be forgotten. But we'll talk a little bit more about the legacy of this season later. Uh, real quick, Michigan basketball hits. Um, 12 games off, 12 days off, excuse me, with your next game being on Christmas. I didn't really look too deep at that schedule. Last game against Penn State. Uh, defensive-minded victory, 12 days off, and then you play Christmas night. Then you take a break and play New Year's Eve. That is a trash schedule.
3: (laughs) It's completely awful. It's like, no, I don't want to do this on New Year's Eve. I don't want to be worried about Michigan basketball. Like, And to
2: these kids, these college kids, come on, man. Right, and granted, there probably wouldn't be the crazy festivities and stuff, but also Christmas and New Year's, you completely remove any sort of time that these kids could spend with their family. That's no longer part of the equation and you have a 12 day gap. You can't find a way to get something in before Christmas. Like Christmas is the NBA basketball thing. Yeah, I don't know that you can infringe on yeah, that. Like
3: they're just, you know, like, yeah, these give them 12 days off. We'll put it here. It's like, you guys just couldn't like penciled in Rutgers or somebody here. Like you just couldn't do that. No, the big 10 hates yeah. fun rules. Don't exist.
2: Yeah, so Christmas and New Year's Eve are the next two games for Michigan basketball. So I really feel for those kids. But other than that, nothing really to discuss. They remain number twenty-five, and the rest of the Big Ten looks like a gauntlet. That kid from Illinois, Ayo Ansuwanmu, or however you pronounce the last name, kid's dangerous. Ayo
3: Mumu is very good. As is <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> as is that monster at Iowa. It's like a like forty-year senior. Uh, what yeah. I can't think of his name right now.
2: Luke, Luke Garza, who also looks way too much like Alfred Molina in Spider Man 2. I don't like it. I don't trust He's
3: got it. arms like Doc Ock, too. They're just shooting out at you. But I really just hope Michigan can take an NBA approach and spread them out. Like, let's see how well he can guard 25 feet from the basket. But, you know, we'll talk about that later. Not much has changed in Michigan basketball. Hunter Dickinson is still a god. So we're fine.
2: That's where we're at. So we'll move on. Obviously, there is much more to talk about uh, before we get into that. Want to uh, take a moment to talk about our new sponsor, Homefield, who launched uh, launched their new product line on November 7th, premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indy. Very comfortable, uh, very highly customizable, which is my favorite thing about these guys. Also just great people to work with. So dig through their archives, find some unique logos, mascots, go back and find the design that you really like that maybe you can't find at the other Michigan stores. I got my hoodie still, um, still haven't ordered my second shirt. I apologize. I keep saying I'm going to, but I'm going to get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Go check that out. So let's move on to national signing day, which, uh, you know, there's going to be a pod that comes out before this. The guys are going to really get in depth on, you know, where we hit on where we missed. And this honestly, for the season we had is a great class for the season we had (laughs) is a really great day went far better than expected. And what just hit the news
3: cycle within the last half hour was a hard commit Jaden hood inside linebacker, four-star prospect just officially signed to Michigan.
2: Oh, I mean, we need we need all of the defensive commits because, I mean, we're going to get into it, what we missed on and what we hit on. Um, but that is definitely a, a, a boon for this defense. And if we need an influx of talent anywhere, it is surely on the defensive side of the ball. But in this class, this is one of the better offensive recruiting classes you're going to find, honestly.
3: Michigan added a stud at every major position group on the offense. It's hard to remember a time with kids of this level of talent. Obviously, the biggest one was J.J. McCarthy. Just set the tone, never wavered, and we finally got our guy, Jared. He's finally coming to town.
2: That is our dude, has been our dude since, you know, he signed, since before he signed. As soon as I saw some of his highlight tape, I was like, okay, Joe Milton highlight tape, you see some of the flashes, Uh, Dylan McCaffrey, between, you know, what he did at Michigan and some of his highlight tape, you're like, oh, wow, I could see him you know, being somebody, you know, with a really high ceiling and you start to build them up in your mind and you start to, you know, make some excuses for their deficiencies as to why they'll be great. This dude is a flat-out quarterback that flat-out gets it done, and I I mean, he's one of those guys that comes in and you're like, oh, I know he's going to be good. Zach Charbonnet, we knew he was going to be yeah. good. Same type of deal.
3: Yeah. J.J. McCarthy played for the best high school football team in the country and did not throw one interception this season. He's... <laughs> He's just a complete stud, but the word that keeps coming up with him is nothing to do with on the field production, which he had a ton of. It's leadership. This kid is a born yeah. leader. He wants to turn things around in Michigan. He bleeds Mason Blue. I, I couldn't I don't know if I've ever been this happy about a commit.
2: That's tough for me to say. There's been some commits in the past that I was like, that's the guy that we need to have. Absolutely want to keep that guy. Um Devin Bush, I mean, was a guy that right from when we recruited him, I was like, super stoked to have him on the team and he ended up working out. So that was one that but Michigan out to wasn't me. two and four yeah.
3: signing Devin Bush.
2: <laughs> no, no, exactly. Two and four signing a guy like this. And the quarterback room is still going to be very interesting with him coming in. And it'll be a flat out competition next year. Uh, no doubt about it. And he won't necessarily have the leg up, but he comes in with the tools to win it day one that kind of a quarterback, and it wouldn't surprise anyone if he does win it. No, and
3: I believe he's an early enrollee, so he'll be on campus um, in, what, four, five weeks? Uh,
2: Yeah, so, I mean, he's going to get a chance to win this job, and, I mean, no one really took it and ran away with it. McNamara had, uh, by far, the best sample size, but it was a small sample size. Yeah, I
3: think Milton's going to be out of it and could probably be somebody to watch for the transfer portal down the line.
2: Very well could be. And with the the transfer rules you mentioned earlier where you can become immediately eligible if it comes in and you know, he's third all of a sudden behind McCarthy and McNamara, yeah, I could see. Yeah, you that, don't which would be you a you don't land but. a stud
3: like McCarthy for him to sit
2: on the bench for three years. No, he will not be sitting on the bench for three years. That I can say pretty confidently. But let's talk about some of the other uh, class, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. We'll go to defense later. There's less to talk about on defense. But after McCarthy, you get another stud in Xavier Worthy who looked like an Alabama flip. And it was getting testy there for a minute, but ended up signing with Michigan. So that really helped to boost the class. This kid, six one, one sixty, 160. He's, he's a stud. He's He's a dude that kind of combines i mean he's just a well-rounded receiver he's fast he high points the ball he's athletic i think he's a gamer i mean this is a dude that despite our wide receiver room being loaded we'll probably see touches yeah
3: he's got to put on some size like you know 160 you at 6'1 you're going to get killed but he, <laughs> he will in michigan's weight weight program but a flat out player there's a reason alabama was recruiting him very heavily at the end visited them recently And the fact that Michigan won a receiver away from what Alabama is doing with the receiver position right now blows me away. That, I mean, good job by you, Michigan, for getting this kid and beating Alabama.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, you kind of needed to have him with, you know, with some of the other decommitments and guys that went elsewhere. I mean, this class could have easily fell out of the top 15 and back around the top 20, but you keep a guy like that. You recruit a guy like that, that's really going to help. And yeah, good point. I mean, look at the Alabama receivers that they've been sending to the NFL. So I don't know how they did it. Um, you We'll kind of talk about what this might mean for the coaching staff in the second half of this, but going down the list uh, on offense, a guy that we're both really high on is that's Giovanni El-Hadi. He's been committed for a couple years now, stuck it out through the whole couple years and just has kept rising in the process. And 6'5", 285, probably better suited at right tackle but this dude's a stud
3: absolutely so he plays the game so violently and aggressive his uh high school tape is fun to watch because he's just mauling people just destroying them snatching their souls from their lifeless bodies i love this guy i love him
2: i, I think that fans are gonna like this guy too i think he's gonna end up being a fan favorite just the way he plays the game he plays angry and ed werner's gonna get his hands on him and I'm excited about him. Uh, keep going down. That um, we're just going by highest ranked, two, four, seven down the list. Offensive. Oh, don't here, forget Donovan Edwards. Uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, I would have skipped over him now because he was. Uh, yeah, he's listed differently on this list. Donovan Edwards, who we were unsure of, was kind of wavering back and forth. And this is a guy that a lot of people said you have to. Ha- you had to have. Keep him home, even though we don't necessarily need him right away. This is a guy that, A, is like a a class tone setter, and B, is, I mean, like Blake Corum, well-rounded, fast, home run hitter, but can also lower his shoulders. So having him and Corum in the backfield for the next few years, you're good. This was a big tone
3: setter from just in-state recruiting because he started to waver a little bit. We were getting pessimistic with how the state of the program is. Keeping Donovan Edwards is huge. It's back-to-back stud running backs coming in. And that's three years in a row landing a stud from Charbonnet to Corum and now to Donovan Edwards.
2: And I mean, Hassan Haskins was our best running back last year, and I believe he'll be back too. So that's a position that's in great shape. So great to keep him in the fold, even though actually he was uh, he was not ever committed before this. He just committed today. So that w- that was big for us. Uh, Raheem Anderson, the the center out of Cast Tech, right there in Detroit. Um, this is a guy that uh, Harbaugh's high on, said he could be the next Mike Anwenu. He's already 300 pounds at 6'3", so he's a big dude. Get get him under I'm excited about him. And then Christian Dixon, the uh, the wide receiver, 6'2", four-star out of California. A little bit bigger than some of the other guys, but also uh, not not a burner necessarily, but just a well-rounded wide receiver again. And just kind of adding to you know the, the positions on the depth chart that we're really loaded at. All-on offense yeah, here. that's a
3: bigger body, especially with that frame. He can put on a little bit more size, be more of a possession-type receiver, great hands, and so the guys will have full in-depth breakdown before this pod comes out, but this offensive class is loaded, and you move on down the list, it's Louie Hansen, four-star tight end at 6'4" 230. You and I have talked about how much they need a good tight end to come in here behind Eric Hall, especially with his drop issues, and this kid seems to
2: be it out of Massachusetts. Absolutely. Had to have that. And tight end was kind of a low key position of need here. You might still want to go get a transfer, especially if uh, Eubanks moves on. But this kid uh, seems to be the real deal. Six, four and a half. Great size for the position. Uh, moving down another offensive lineman, Greg Crippen, four star out of Brendanton, Florida. I haven't watched any of his tape. He tapes, is J.J. So McCarthy's center. Oh, that's right. So I have seen some yes. of his tape. I must have yes. seen McCarthy tape. All right. I'll just have to focus more on him then. Good point. Um, I mean, you know, McCarthy loves having him and having a center that you trust and that you already know the communications with. That'll be yeah. Key.
3: These two could come in there and be like with AJ McCarron and his center at Alabama, like friends, roommates, come in together, change the program, change the culture. Having that kind of like friendship and continuity already between these two, I love
2: it. Yeah, I'm a fan as well. Um, all right, let's just uh, finish out the offensive recruiting class. Tavier Dumlap, another running back. Uh, Six foot out of Texas, another tackle and Tristan bounds who's six, seven and a half. That always intrigues me. That's
3: a, that's a man.
2: That is a large, large 17 year old kid. (laughs) <laughs> that is uh that is big i mean that's Ryan Hayes size so i mean i like what they're doing with the tackles considering how uh, offensive tackle used to be how defensive tackle is now and we just didn't recruit them
3: <laughs> and plus i like one position group i really feel confident in is ed werner's position group of offensive line I feel really good about them and, and his ability to develop
2: 100% if there's a position group that's going to take a huge step forward next year it is offensive line mark my words you can put that in Permanent and the, uh,
3: we didn't even touch on this. With the two centers in the class, are both really needed since Zach Carpenter entered the transfer portal last week,
2: which is bizarre, bizarre to me that he did that when he was the guy, like and looked good too. Well, yeah, we didn't even talk on that. That uh, that was a bit of a devastating loss. Kind it of. was,
3: but adding adding two centers in the same class, I'm sure one will eventually kick to guard is a huge help.
2: Yeah, and now Vestardis needs to play an extra year, even though he's yep, four. COVID rules, baby. Come on back because we need you now with with uh, Carpenter gone. Uh Andrew Anthony, another wide receiver, six two. Uh took a punter in Tommy Doman. Uh we'll need that to replace Brad Robbins and and Will Hart. Um yeah, and then um that, that's pretty much it. Oh, the transfer, Willie Allen from um uh, Louisiana Tech. From? Louisiana Tech, that's right. Also six seven and a yeah, half.
3: Three bills, baby. We're this is a big person coming too. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so honestly, you look at that offensive class, and you're like, wow, I mean, for a decent offense, an offense that struggled, and I will give the offense some passes this year um, with everything that happened to them, not really being able to ever settle into a groove. but this is a a loaded class they're bringing in on that side of the ball, and guys that, um, who's the most likely to contribute year one here? Most likely to contribute year one... I want, I want to say J.J.
3: McCarthy. I really do. But I'm going to say Donovan Edwards. I think he'll get some touches right away.
2: Uh, I'll say Xavier Worthy. I want to go McCarthy. <laughs> he might end up winning it. He might. I get why you're, like, hesitating. I'm hesitating for the same reasons. Like, well, I mean, Milton will have been there for a few years. McNamara already showed us something. This kid will be 18. But it, it's very possible he's the guy. Um, other than that, I mean, we are going to lose Mayfield. So you could see, you'll probably see Hayes and Stuber back at your tackle. So El Hadid probably doesn't get in quite yet. The offensive line guys, you probably don't want to play them yet. So yeah, it's probably, it's Worthy or Edwards probably. You'll see some time or or the tight end, Lewis Hansen.
3: Yeah, that's a good one, especially if Eubanks is gone.
2: Yep. All right, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball. What is lacking and what we took away from how this signing day class played out.
1: Dot com slash block M.
0: 18 plus
2: all right welcome back to out of the blue we are moving on in our brief breakdown of national signing day like we said earlier tune in to uh the other Mason brew podcast that is being recorded as we are recording this i believe vaughn is going to be on that one trevor broom i don't know who's in on that one jonathan but simmons i
3: think yeah the recruiting
2: yeah. Yeah, that's right. So they'll do the recruiting. They'll do a better, more thorough breakdown than us. We do want to touch on the defensive recruits in this class more as a bigger picture of what uh, this defensive rooting, uh, recruiting class means. And uh, you mentioned that before we started this pod, there was the commitment of Jaden Hood, inside linebacker uh, out of Fort Lauderdale, six one two twelve, 2'12", and that's, that's a big pickup. And definitely... Uh, linebacker one of the more underperforming position groups of the year i would say
3: yeah you could say that since adam shibley was playing
2: <laughs> and we thought we had recruited that position very well but uh some guys just uh didn't really take the step michael barrett we thought was the greatest player on earth week one
3: and then he was on the side of a milk bottle like you told me he was playing i just didn't believe you
2: I mean, it, it wasn't all him. It was it was definitely the defense just being way out of sorts. But, yeah, the linebackers really disappeared this year. So getting Hood and then uh, our other best, I mean, they're they're right up there with one and two, is outside linebacker Junior Colson out of Tennessee. So once again, the linebacker position, we recruit just fine.
3: Yeah, it's nice to bring in some talent. The biggest thing will be keeping them and not letting some of our best guys transfer out, like Osbon Savage last year came in from the same high school as Blake Corum and didn't even make it to the season before he left.
2: Right, and then McGrone, you know, going out with injuries, kind of disappearing a little bit. We lost Drew Singleton. He went to Rutgers. So it's a position group where we thought we've been recruiting it well, but guys haven't developed or have gone missing or have transferred or whatever it is. So, yeah, we need to hit on both of these guys because uh, while linebacker looks good on paper, uh, I don't know who the starters are next year guys are going to have opportunities, so great to get those guys. But then you have to go pretty far down the list after Quentin Somerville decommits and goes to UCLA. We do bring in Keyshawn Bennett, strong side defensive end, 6'4", 220. I don't think he can move to defensive tackle, but they might ask him to.
3: We're going to need somebody to move inside because we have a big glaring need there. It'll be really interesting to see how the defense shakes out with which players come back under the COVID rules and which ones leave.
2: Yeah, it it is very interesting, and um, I mean, we're going to get to it after this, but the transfer portal is going to be a thing going both ways. So then Tyler McLaurin, outside linebacker, So that's three linebackers there. There's not one defensive tackle, and I think that's the third class in four years that doesn't have a defensive tackle in it. But so that's pretty sweet.
3: <laughs> that's one of the things you just don't want to see. So they have to have some idea of the idea of moving somebody inside, kind of like they did with Julius Welshaw.
2: I guess, um, or you're giving them more credit than they deserve, that they have a plan to fix this defensive tackle rotation. Cause I'm not necessarily sure that they do. I mean, you were putting a lot on both Chris Hinton and Mozzie Smith hint at hitting. So I guess your hope is that you develop them. So um moving down the list TJ guy weak side defensive end 64 240 you know maybe maybe you could beef up and get up to 285 that's asking a lot to to play at the interior line and then Dominic Gadice or Jaduce I don't know 64 250 three star um also probably a guy that they might ask to put on some weight and move inside and um, don't
3: forget uh Jaden Mcburrows at corner
2: and that's the one corner yeah, we took the
3: one person, the secondary safety is loaded from the previous class, but we've talked about the need for a corner here. And we only
2: got one. Yo, we did a whole podcast breaking down how it was basically criminal that our defensive tackle and cornerback locate, um, excuse me, depth chart looks like it does. And look at how it looks after this signing day. It looks no different. They didn't address it at all.
3: And we're bringing in a five ten, 165 pound corner. That's the same size as me. I'm not a division one corner.
2: No. I mean, no offense to you or Jaden McBurrows, but (laughs) he's probably a lot faster than you.
3: Son, we got to put on some. I I can scoot, but son, we got to put on some weight.
2: (laughs) He's going to have to, and it's going to be a minute. So you're basically, uh, you're bringing the band back for uh, at corner and defensive tackle. You can bring back Carlo Kemp. But to me, I think that the bigger picture of what this defensive uh, recruiting class says is that our defensive staff is getting a huge shakeup.
3: Yes. Uh, Beautiful segue. And I love that you mentioned we're getting Carlo Kent back because he can come back, you know, for his uh, 12th season asking everybody. Um, Bring it on. (laughs) There's a shakeup coming. I would not be surprised to see the entire defensive staff
2: let go. It might be the case. Uh, You lose Brandon Jennings to Maryland, and I believe he did have some connections there, so it's not totally out of the blue, but Maryland is certainly not known for their defense, and Brandon Jennings, you get Jaden Hood, so you didn't need necessarily all three linebackers, but you, you take whatever great player you can get, so that definitely hurts, and then losing Somerville to UCLA hurts even more, and that says to me, I don't think those guys knew who the defensive coordinator was going to be, um scott bell said something on twitter that there was you know nobody post uh posting anything to twitter from the defensive side of the ball that might not mean anything don brown doesn't know how to work at twitter he's 108 but still some of those other guys you kind of expect to be out there on twitter
3: yeah i think they'd be announcing hey we're excited for this guy we're excited for that but it was crickets so it leads you to believe that there's going to be a huge coaching shakeup at michigan and that jim Harbaugh is returning and with all this going on i mean kudos to Harbaugh and whomever is staying for keeping this class mostly intact. That was impressive.
2: No, I agree. And you're right. The, uh, by far the most important part of that, that I just glossed over is that this all also probably means Harbaugh is coming back with the, the shakeups on the defensive side of the ball, which we always said was one of the options. It's either you start over or Harbaugh comes back with, you know, new staff on the defensive side of the ball So I have to agree with you, though, after a two and four season and the last time we saw him was that Penn State disaster to keep a top 10 or fringe top 10 team together is, you know, that's something to hang your hat on.
3: Very impressive. And I also give a lot of credit to J.J. McCarthy for after every bad game tweeting, I'm still coming to Michigan. I'm not wavering. I'm sticking here and when the head of the class, one of the top ranked players in the country from the best college football or best high school football team in the country doesn't waver that can speak volumes to the fringe guys that might've been teetering one way or the other.
2: It does kind of seem that every class gets that first guy. And then that guy is kind of the, you know, the recruiter for the rest of them. Um, I remember Shane Morris was that a while back. Um, surely there's been some other guys that were very vocal, um, but at the uh, i I don't recall off the top of my head. Great but story. McCarthy, <laughs> yeah, great story, bro, but McCarthy is certainly that. Um you know, he did kind of what Shane Morris did where, you know, he was recruiting other guys, he was the face of the class and he wasn't going anywhere regardless and that had to have played a huge role on the offensive side of the ball, no doubt about it. Where Josh Gaddis is now going to have an embarrassment of riches at his disposal. And if you can't find a quarterback between Milton, McNamara and McCarthy, Oh, the three M's, mm-hmm. the three Migos, uh, if you can't find somebody amongst those guys, well, then, I mean, you probably shouldn't be developing quarterbacks.
3: A hundred percent. And your, your point about having the one guy in the class to recruit the others is founded. I mean, obvious example, but different sport is the Fab Five. You land Jawan Howard, and then he recruits everybody else. Then that's exactly sure. what happened with this one. J.J. McCarthy, I guarantee you, was on the phone, especially people like, hey, still coming we're doing this let's turn this program around they're struggling but we can make it right that belief in leadership man is what this team needs it's the talent is great but we need a culture change at Michigan
2: we do we need guys like him and he kind of reminds me of like Aiden Hutchinson so I mean there are some guys on the roster that have that kind of let's change the culture you know let's win for Michigan kind of mentality but there's not enough of them and you can never have enough of them and especially at the most important position um I don't know yet about McNamara. I'm not willing to write McNamara or Milton off as the quarterback of this team's future. Um, they could, they, either one of them could get it together. And McNamara doesn't have that long to go to get it together. He looked at times last year like he was already a starting Big Ten quarterback. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But McCarthy, as we've both said, I mean, we'll spend hours raving about this kid in, in, in the weeks and months to come. I already know that.
3: Jared, it's the offseason. It's time to speculate wildly. Time to break down game three of two years ago to watch like his sophomore tape. Like, look at this throw here. Watch that. Look at that. Look at that reaction time. Just, It is the time for that. But with Cade McNamara, he'll probably be the starter next year if I had to bet my life on it. The way he played, the way he developed before he got hurt, has some swagger to him. But, man, McCarthy's got the biggest it factor of a quarterback coming to Michigan that I can remember in a while.
2: Yeah, if you're uh, Milton or McNamara, you better hope to like earn your place in the NFL soon because that dude's coming for you. I mean, that's a dude that's coming for your job year one. And yeah, ideally you'd redshirt him, but we're getting ahead of ourselves there. Um, What I wanted to talk about more is uh, we both agree that the way this shook out, it probably means Harbaugh coming back with changes on the defensive staff. And we, we touched a little bit on this last week, but now we see what we have plugged in. How do you, if you're Jim Harbaugh, turn this around to next year, have a successful enough season to make it your, your prove it year, you know, successful. Like how, how do you prove it next year with what you've got? I mean, you've got a lot of holes to fill now. And I mean, you're going to have to put together a whole new defensive staff by the sound of it.
3: I think the biggest issue to address first and foremost is getting somebody there that can develop the talent. Whether I don't care if it's Jeremy Pruitt. I don't care if it's a name we've never heard before. As long as somebody can get there and develop this talent. Because at Michigan, although we there may not be like household names yet, there is a ton of talent on this roster th- spread throughout. And they see somebody to come here and step in and develop it. You and I were talking off air about what Matt Campbell did at Iowa State. They have the number six ranked team in the country, and their recruiting classes averaged in the 50s. Like right. Michigan is always top 15. Almost always, and there's a ton of kids there, there's a lot of experience because especially everybody can come back under COVID rules because I really don't know who stock just took a massive ascension this year straight to the pros. So there's a lot of people to work with, a lot of experience. I think coaching staff is the first thing to address, Transfer Portal second.
2: I agree, and those are the two things. Um, the other thing I was going to mention is Transfer Portal. That's what you got to do is you got to go get a dynamite staff like right now You know, or as soon as everybody's played their playoff games or bowl games or whatever, if that's going on in this bizarre circus tent fire of a season, where some people that are going into the playoffs have played four games and others have played eleven, but it's it's just bizarre and it's an absolute mess. But maybe some good can come out of it in that there's going to be some shakeups with jobs and the transfer portal. Read a report, not uh, it was like two, it was over the weekend that they think that there's going to be more transfers than there are roster spots because you're going to have a lot of guys transferring, but then also people are allowed to stay. So whereas normally Carlo Kemp would be leaving, he might stick around, and that's one less roster spot. But you might you might do something where you say, sorry, you're not invited back. That'd be crazy to do to a team captain and a, and a glue guy like Carlo Kemp.
3: Yeah, but like the Dan Valaris and people like that is going to be – There's a few spots, but hey, well, you know, you're from Michigan. You can qualify for this academic scholarship. You'll be on the team, but you're not going to get this money anymore.
2: (laughs) It's going to be bizarre, man, and how these rosters shake out. And if they allow people to have more scholarship players or Mm -hmm. it's obviously it was a weird year in 2020. This is going to carry over into 2021 um, virus and everything else. That's uh, the fallout because of it. So. It's uh, it's going to be vastly different, especially on defense for Michigan next year. And I mean, my goodness, it's going to be exciting to follow and to be looking at all these new guys and what kind of changes they make and everything. But it's a it, it's an uphill it's an uphill battle. And if you can succeed in this as a defensive coordinator, you're really going to like put your name out there for higher coaching honors. Yeah,
3: this is a great opportunity to, if you're a former head coach, rehabilitate your image or a nice stepping stone for somebody rising up through the ranks. So I'm really excited to see what they do with the defensive staff, assuming the shakeups are coming. Now, if the big shakeup doesn't happen, then we're just going to rage for 10 minutes of just, you know, combined screaming next week on this podcast.
2: 10 minutes is too low. We're going to rage for 10 episodes.
3: (laughs) Just scream the whole time. I can't believe this person's back and everything else, but... The shakeups appear to be coming even some on the offensive side of the ball. So I don't know. Optimism is slowly creeping into me and I don't like it.
2: (laughs) It will always creep back into us no matter what they do. I'm going to convince myself that whoever they hire is the second coming of Vince Lombardi. So.
3: Yeah, it's like, who's this guy? It's Jesus Christ, Jared. That's who that is. (laughs)
2: It's like, of course it is. We just hired him.
3: (laughs) So we just dive deep into his foot. But but look, I I don't care if he was bad at Liberty, okay? Look what happened here. It wasn't his fault. Then we just defend him against everybody online. Like
2: turning water to wine, he's going to turn, you know, Mozzie Smith into Maurice Hurst.
3: (laughs) I don't care. This defense finished, what, ranked below 70th in the country?
2: Our defense? No, try like 90s.
3: Oh, nice. Yeah, it can't really get any worse. Knock on wood. It'd be tough.
2: (laughs) It would be tough. So, yeah, that's the the way we see it. We think there's going to be some changes coming to the defensive staff. We'll know here soon enough. Maybe by the time this pod is out. Who knows? Um, But I want to uh, wrap up the season because it is officially over. And generally, we have a whole episode where we talk about the best moments, the worst moments, you know, what are the candidates for that? This is going to be a pretty short section, my friend. (laughs) All right. Best moment. The
3: Michael Barrett forced fumble. Donovan Jeter catch touchdown against Minnesota.
2: That is correct. That is the answer. The worst moment. Anything else?
3: (laughs) uh, Maybe 49 to 11 at home.
2: Maybe not winning a home game. Those are my two nominees. Uh, I would say it's hard to pick one moment from the Michigan State game, but I guess I would just say the the final score of the Michigan State game.
3: 27
2: or whatever. Yeah.
3: Rocky Lombardi becoming uh, John Elway. Like,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather get blown out by Wisconsin 10 times in a row than lose to an awful Michigan state team like that. I mean, that's the low light for me. I also want to nominate.
3: I also want to nominate Quinn or yelling at teammates to do their job.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. And then, uh, and then shanking the overtime winning field goal. Yep.
3: Yep. That's another nominee.
2: Can we get a transfer kicker as well? Yeah. I'm on the transfer portal website by the way. There's defensive tackles and there's kickers out there.
3: Let's Can we put him in there? Can we have that like against his will? Can we force him to transfer?
2: He's just going to wake up tomorrow and see his name on the list. I'm like, how did this happen? I'm like, well, they have the requisite paperwork.
3: Yeah, Do you want to go fight Chris Hinton? Go ahead.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Somehow we also wrangled Chris Hinton into fighting you if you tried to come back. Don't ask how we did it.
3: It it just happens. Remember Osman Savage? Yeah, he's not on the team anymore. He's just our special enforcer. He's like Leo uh, DiCaprio in The Departed. He's not on like officially a cop, but he works for the cops. That's what Chris, I mean, that's what Osman Savage is. He's not on the team. He just works for the team.
2: No, we can't have him back on the team. But if he shows up at your dorm wearing some maize and blue, like you know what he's there for.
3: His last name is Savage, son. Come
2: on. But the way, didn't he like get kicked out of the program? Though wasn't that something pretty bad? Or am I mistaking that for somebody else?
3: Oh, I think it's Omori Samuels.
2: Oh yeah, or Elise Mbasi or whatever. Yeah, th- th- you know, there's there's been some blemishes. <laughs> there's been it hasn't been all great. You know, it hasn't been all roses. <laughs> Few blemish, I think Savage
3: has just transferred pretty quick. Wasn't on campus that long.
2: That's a sh- that's a shame. He had the best name on the team for a minute, a hot minute.
3: But... Yeah, now El Hadid does.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we're all aboard. We always pick somebody and we get all aboard. And I think it's going to be Giovanni El Hadid. Great name though.
3: We're, we're just going to back him blind, like, just blindly for the next few years. Like he's sitting on the bench. We need to put him in. Have you seen his name?
2: <laughs> like you want to switch over to defensive tackle? Like, he'd probably be our third best if we put him in right now.
3: All right. Based off Hassan Haskins' hit on that fake punt against Minnesota, that one play,
2: where does he rank among our linebackers? Hassan Haskins? Yeah. He he could start. <laughs> now he couldn't start, but I mean, he could come in over Shibley. Yeah.
3: This man was a running back, linebacker, then running back. Started out his fourth string last year and is now our best running back. I love Hassan Haskins, by the way.
2: I love Hassan Haskins. And will there ever be a bigger disparity? Well, I mean, I guess you could go back to those hoke years, but the how good our offense could be next year to what the ceiling of our defense could be. And I guess you'd much rather have the better offense in modern college football. Yeah, but uh, otherwise, disparity. we'd be like old Iowa, like just like kind right. of boring. Right. But the disparity is going to be noticeable,
3: it'll be vast. It will
2: will be a vast chasm.
3: Yeah, it'll be vast, but at least we're (laughs) going to be exciting no matter what with this town offensively. Come on, let's just let's sling it 60 times a game and let's just, you know, have shootouts every week
2: look at this we were supposed to be getting beat by 45 points this weekend and he's already getting the enthusiasm for 2021 going that's why i love this guy he's already there <laughs> so that's why
3: i'm back that's why you, you know it's why they pay me the big bucks here you know nothing <laughs>
2: <laughs> because you just spun some optimism yeah. out of uh we've spent weeks talking up about how we uh, we want matt campbell and yeah you know you handle it like a champ i gotta give you that
3: i wrote an article last week about how much i hate life and that we're gonna get blown out by iowa you know one jj mccarthy and uh signing class later i'm like oh baby we're gonna score 60 a game next year you ain't ready
2: with him as a freshman i'm in there yeah i'm put him there. there 18 years old slinging the rock 60 a game look sign me up those numbers are low those are rookie numbers pump those numbers up
3: we, we're at least hanging 70 at least back on <laughs> sorry
2: greg chiano at a boy. Glad to hear <laughs> it, brother. All right, man. Any other thoughts about uh, this this National Signing Day or your thoughts about uh, – I, I would imagine by the time we do our next podcast, we should have some answers. I would like to think so. But uh, closing thoughts for me is I support McCarthyism and go blue. Good man. Good man. And I agree. That's going to do it for Out of the Blue this week. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe anywhere that you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Brew. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.